Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. I've titled this message, Is Anybody Home? Look at your neighbor and tell them, is anybody home? <laughs> you, do, you, do any of you know people sometimes you wonder, is, is anybody home? Right? We all know people like that. And Now I'm not talking about people here. But uh, the message here is titled again, Is Anybody Home? Hopefully nobody here has ever had the misfortune of having someone break into your home. I know recently that happened to somebody here, as I just said that. Somebody did have that happen to their home. That's a complete violation of your privacy. Uh, how, how many have ever had that happen? If you raise your hand, that, man, that's surprising. There's a few hands going up. And how many have, it's never happened to you, right? Okay, and, and that's, so it's almost half and half. That's, that's really the world we live in today, isn't it? That you have to be careful of your surroundings. But to somebody, for somebody to break into your home, obviously a violation of your rights. Uh, it's against the law, in fact. The California Penal Code 459 calls that breaking and entering. Amen? Breaking and entering. It's referred to as a burglary or a felony in California if you ever do that or get accused of that or get uh, convicted of that. Burglary is the entering of another's residential or commercial dwelling with intent to commit theft or any felony. This type of crime usually occurs... When the occupants are gone, somebody's been looking, somebody's been casing your property out is how it works, right? And then they break in, they're in and they're out is how it typically works. All of this happens when nobody's home and it's against your will. Because nobody here willingly is going to leave the door open so that any burglar can walk in. I know that's not the case. None of you would ever do that. This is a reminder that the enemy of our soul is constantly seeking how he can break into your spiritual home. What door you're leaving ajar, what door you're leaving open that he can slip into, that he can destroy your life, that he can break and enter into your life. Amen? I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles this morning, to Revelation chapter 3 and verses 19 through 20. And let me just set it up. It's should be on your outline as well. But Revelation chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. In the book of Revelation, remember the Apostle John, who was put, he was the only disciple that survived of the original apostles. He's the only one that survived. He was actually, because all the others were, were, were killed, they were martyred for their faith. John was put in a vat, they say, of boiling oil and survived that. Can you imagine he survived that, and where he was exiled to was this island called Patmos. It was in the Greek, uh, Greece area. And here is where he received this vision of the book of Revelation, where he began to write down the things that God was giving him, visions that he was told to write down. And in chapter 2 and chapter 3, he specifically, John is writing to the churches, the seven churches of, of Asia at that time, and why, how does that relate to us today? Well, those seven churches 
are types of churches. Each one had a, a particular issue with those churches. The one I want to talk to you today is the Laodicean church. And so, for example, there was a letter written to the church of Sardis, the church of Ephesus, the church of Laodicea, which was a lukewarm church. Everybody say lukewarm. lukewarm. How many here like lukewarm coffee? Anybody like lukewarm coffee? No, huh? I spit it out. I don't like it. Um, you know, God does the same thing spiritually. The Bible says that when it comes to lukewarmness in our spirit, he would rather have you hot or cold, but not lukewarm. And I want to talk to you about that this morning here in Revelation chapter 3. If you'll stand with me, I'm going to read two verses. Stand for the reading of the Word of God, if you can, this morning, Revelation chapter 3. And I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Bible. Uh, it says the following. Verse 19, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your written word. We thank you, Lord, that you wrote something 2,000 years ago that still applies to us today in 2018. Father, I pray, bring anointing to our ears, to our understanding, that your word would make perfect sense, that it would be crystal clear. Give me the words to speak this morning. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Look at your neighbor again and tell him, are you home? Are you home? Are you home? Okay, you may be seated this morning. You may have a seat. Amen. I don't know about you, but in my home, I have an alarm. When we leave the house, we put the alarm on. That's just what you got to do nowadays. We also have a doorbell camera. So if anybody comes to our front yard, they don't even have to ring the doorbell. I see you coming the minute you park your car. A motion detector goes off, and I see a picture of who's coming, if I want to. If, if I look it up on my phone, on my computer, I can see this at work. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I could be in Micronesia, and I could still see it. I, you know, here in Vallejo, you know, my home. So, again, all of that is to protect our home, our possessions, from people that would break and enter. Amen? And... And one of the things that God reminds us is that he's always a gentleman. How many know that God is a true gentleman? God will never force you to do anything against your will. He always comes at you lovingly. Lovingly, amen? But at the same time, he reminds us in his word that a spiritual lukewarm life is not good enough. If you are living a... Let me tell it to you in no uncertain terms. If you're living a lukewarm life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, is basically what the Word of God is saying. I don't ever want to tell you or, or, or talk to you short of what the Word declares. I want to tell you what it says. It says if you're living a lukewarm life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, the preceding verse says He'll spit you out of His mouth. I don't want to be that person. I want to be hot. I want to be hot. I want to be, Lord, what can I do for you? Lord, what, what do you want me to do in my life? What, what can I do? What's the next thing to do? How do you want me to do it? Lord, 
And each of you are on different levels of that. You're not going to be where Pastor Rick level is. Uh, each of you are your, at your own different level. Amen. Stick to that level. Don't ever try to be somebody else that you're not. Amen. You're not Pastor Rick. You're not Pastor Anna. You're not Mother Betty. You're not May. You're you. Amen. Everybody say this. I am, me. I am me. God created you to be you and nobody else. So stick to that. God has given you the spirit of a sound mind to be able to live in this present world, right? With all the corruption that goes on around us. So here, Jesus desires to come into your home. According to Revelation, he's knocking. And and you may say, well, Pastor Rick, I've never heard him knock on the door. Come on, really? He's never rang my doorbell. I've never seen his, his face pop up on my Ring app. Well, you know what? He's not going to come and knock on your front door. He's knocking through creation. He's knocking through his word. He's knocking through your neighbor. He's knocking through the situations that are coming up in your life. How many have had a trial this year? Something that they've struggled with this year. You know God uses those things to get our attention? I'm getting ahead of myself here, but... Here's what I want to remind you of this morning. Jesus desires to come to your home, to be in your workplace, to be with you at school, to be with you in the retirement home, to be with you at the laundromat, wherever you go. He doesn't want to be a small part of your life. He wants to be your life. Amen? So I want to remind each one of you this morning that God loves you and you are constantly on his mind. Whether you realize that or not, whether you think I'm not good enough, you don't know me, Pastor Rick, where I've been, what I've done, I don't need to hear that because I've been there and I've done that. So I know what he can forgive. I know who he's forgiven. I know what he does, how much he loves you. Amen. He will never force himself upon you. That's the great news. He'll never force himself upon you. Jesus will never tell you, you have to go to church. That desire has to come from deep within you, deep in your spirit to show up here. You know, many of you could have chosen to stay home in that nice, warm, comfortable bed this morning, right? And many of you are thinking, why didn't I stay in that nice, warm, comfortable bed as you're hearing me speak right now? But here's the thing. You decided to be here. God honors that when you take the time to make time for him. Amen. Amen? He, the Lord, will go to great lengths to ensure you or to to help you realize how much he loves you. He'll go to great lengths. How many have been reminded how much he loves you this week? Just raise your hand. I I mean, I I do when I just in my commute every day. uh, I don't focus on the traffic like I used to when I first began this commute from Vallejo to Napa. You know, you can get hung up on the traffic and oh, this guy's cutting in front of you. No, I choose to focus on now, the, the wonderful landscape. I see vineyards as I'm going into Napa. I see beautiful mountainsides. We live in a beautiful area here in California. It's beautiful. Not as beautiful as Micronesia, but it's a beautiful place. Amen? We don't have the beautiful sand, the beautiful surf, the beautiful ocean, but we live in a beautiful place. And we see God all around us. We see God in creation. We see God in our family. I look at Skylar, wherever she went right now, the little baby, and... You, you can't help but see God's beautiful creation, Amen. how much he loves you. Amen? Amen? 
So the question this morning I have for you is, how does the Lord get our attention? How is He getting your attention this morning? Is He going to break into your home? Does He have to break into your home? I hope not. And here's the thing, the the truth is, He's never going to break into your home. You have to willingly open that door, just as you would for any guest that comes to your door and knocks. You open that door. You can choose not to let them in, right? Have you ever looked out the window? Oh, no, don't open the door. It's so-and-so. And then you tiptoe. Hopefully they didn't hear me. I know nobody here has ever done that. You've just seen that in movies, I know. But that's why we got the Ring app. We know who's there already. But see, here's, here's the, the truth about God's Word. First of all, He loves us. And, and as, as that, because He loves us, He'll also discipline us when we need to be disciplined. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, I could, I could share story after story of growing up and becoming and being disciplined by my loving parents. They loved me. How many had parents that disciplined them? Amen. Did they do it because they didn't like you? No. They did it because they loved you and knew that if they got your attention right now, you would correct that behavior later. Amen? Yes. Sometimes we need to do that with our kids. Amen? We need to get their attention, don't we? And they'll realize in that process, okay, I get it. I deserve that. I deserved it. Now I can't do that anymore, or I shouldn't do that anymore. See, discipline in the home, and this is on your outline, there's a couple of points here that I, I mentioned here, but when we discipline our children at home, or when we were disciplined as children at home, it wasn't because our parents did not love us. Quite the contrary. It's because they have such a great love for us. They want us to excel. They want us to do better. So they took the time to discipline you. See, it's when you don't discipline that you're really telling your child, I don't love you. I could care less. You have to take the time to discipline them. God Almighty is, is the same way with his children. Are you his son and daughter today? Yes? yes? Amen. He will discipline you at some point. I promise you, we all have to be disciplined at some point in our life. Why? Because none of you are perfect. I know that. I'm not perfect and none of you are perfect. Number one, God does not discipline to punish, but to bring people back to him. His whole intent is to bring that person back to him. I think of when I backslid and I walked away from God. And I've mentioned this story here before. I had become saved when I was in my early or my 20s. And then after about four years, the devil got a hold of me. And I started looking back at what I had given up, what, what, what God had taken away from me. And I, and I backslid. And I went back to the things that the Lord had taken away from me. And, and the Lord got a hold of me, though. I finally found myself in this place going, what in the world? I'm looking around, the people that are in this room, the situation. Without going into details, I'm just going, Lord, what in the world am I doing in this place? And at that moment right there, God was speaking to me, and I turned my back on that, and I walked this way, and I've never turned my back again. Amen? There has to be a, a discipline. See, God, what I didn't realize at that time, I was losing faith in God because of my choices and and I was starting to feel his judgment on me how many know that judgment comes on you 
in a disciplined way because he's trying to get a hold of your attention, trying to say, hey, look, I'm right here. I want you to come this way. But sometimes I got to shake things up. I got to shake things up in your life to get your attention. And that's what he did with me. So the Lord is trying to bring back his people. He may be speaking to you this morning. Maybe some of you here today have been possibly living a lukewarm life. Uh, here's another example I'm going to give you. There's a, there's a family I know that I'm praying for. They had an unfortunate incident happen just about a week or two ago. The father was arrested in front of his family. And let me tell you, God's discipline is on that family. God is disciplining that particular man right now and that family. Why? To cause them to come to the realization they can't do life without him. Sometimes God has to get your attention. Sometimes he needs to arrest you, literally, and throw you in the slammer, throw you in the pokey, whatever you call it, and, and, and get locked up, right? Sometimes he'll do that. He'll get your attention in the worst way possible when you didn't have to wait to that point. You didn't have to wait to that point. Secondly, God only uses loving discipline. There's a difference when you discipline your children. There's, there's such a thing as abusers. And we just saw on our family movie night this past Friday at our home, we saw I Can Only Imagine, the movie. How many have seen I Can Only Imagine? And, it, and if you haven't, it's a great movie I would highly recommend. Yes, it's a Christian or a faith-based movie, but it's based on the fact of, a, uh, of an abusive father with his son. There are parents like that. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you, maybe you can't. But there are parents that, that will discipline you, but it comes out of hate. It comes, it's not discipline at all. It's really punishment, only punishment, and it doesn't come from a loving place. As parents, you have to be careful, parents, when I'm talking to parents now, when you discipline your children, it must always come from a place of love. If you feel anger, if you feel hate, like they tell you, go outside, count to 20, take a deep breath or two, come back in, and then discipline if you have to. But don't do it in the middle of your anger. Don't do it in the middle of your bitterness toward that child that should know better. Right? Because we can all get caught up in that. God only uses loving discipline with you. Number three, this is the entire point of discipline. God can rekindle the spark in your relationship with Him using discipline. Sometimes it takes discipline to get a hold of your attention and make you realize, Lord, what in the world am I doing here? I need to focus on you. I need to begin to fall back in love with you. I need to begin to go to church again. I need to start reading the Bible again. I need to start attending Bible studies. I need to start hanging out with my Christian friends that can rub off on me. Amen? Proverbs 3 and verse 12 says the following. For the Lord, everybody say this, disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. Again, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. Does he love you? Yes. You will be disciplined at some point. Don't, don't think that you will not be disciplined. You will be disciplined because he loves you. He will correct you in a loving way. He may show up in some way and, and, and say no to you for certain situations. He's, he's, he knows what's best for you. Amen. 
1 Corinthians 11 and verse 32 says the following, But when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. See, the Lord is trying to save you a heartbreak down the road. He's saying, look, listen to me right now. Let me discipline you lovingly right now. And you don't have to pay the price down the road with the rest of the world that doesn't know me and is going to face an eternal hell without me, is what the Lord is saying. Let me discipline you right now. How many parents, you have that in mind when you discipline your kids because we don't want them to become adults that are in prison at the age of 18, 20, 25. We want to save them that grief now. We want to discipline them now. Amen? Here's one of our worst enemies in the church today. It was at that time in, in when this uh, account was written, but it's also one of our worst enemies today, and it's called complacency. Everybody say the word complacency. complacency. You know what that means? It means when you're satisfied. When, when you're lukewarm, exactly, spiritually, but it means when you're satisfied that, eh, eh, hey, let's go do this, eh. You know, like, I'm good right here. Um, let's, let's do this to, you know, let's fix this. Let's fix that. Or let's work on this. Let's work on that. Eh, I'm good. It's being complacent. It's being satisfied. It's status quo where you're at. Leaving everything as it is. How many know it's, it's not always good to leave things as it is? God always wants us to improve our relationships. He, he wants us to improve uh, how we conduct ourselves at work. How to become a better employee, a better manager. A better husband, better father. If we're complacent, we're, eh, eh. God doesn't want you living your life like that. Amen? Here's what it means when we seemingly have all our needs taken care of. When our bills are paid. When we have good health. It may not be great health, but it's good health. When we have a good home. When... We have a good job or maybe retirement income. It's, it's okay, you know. Things are taken care of. I don't have a major need right now. Uh, you know, the car's running good. Um, I'm in a re- good relationship right now. The dog doesn't bite me, doesn't bark at me. The cat lets me pet the cat, you know. Things are going all right. That's a complacent life. You have to be very, very careful there. Because complacency is the enemy of the Christian, of the believer, God doesn't want us to become complacent. He's always wanting us to keep moving, keep moving forward, keep seeking Him, keep taking your life to another spiritual level. Amen? And here's how we get to that point of complacency. Very careful here. Be very careful. Is your self-sufficiency keeping you from seeking God? In other words, because I have such a good job, it's taking care of my bills, taking care of my medical, my health. Um, I can get anything I need, so I'm taking care of there. Um, I trust in my riches, is what I'm saying. I'm self-sufficient. And instead of saying, Lord, I depend on you, I trust in you. Let me remind you today, the Old Testament. Mos- Moses and the Israelites going through the desert. How did they eat? The Lord provided manna for them, right? One day at a time, he said, trust in me to provide your needs one day at a time. He didn't say, I'm going to provide your needs 
not only today, uh, but uh, and the rest of the year, which they knew he would, but he said, trust me one day at a time. I will give you every day what you need. The Lord hasn't changed. He's going to give you today what you need. Tomorrow, he'll give you tomorrow what you need. Amen? How many have found that to be true? Amen. Or are you trusting in your riches? Are you trusting in your abilities? See, you may have a good job today. That can be gone tomorrow. There's, we've all heard of businesses that close from one day to the next. I don't know if any of you go to a little restaurant going towards Sonoma. It's called the Fremont Diner. Anybody ever heard of that? Fremont Diner. It's in the middle of a cow pasture. You can't, can't miss it. Anyways, the employees showed up this past week, and they were closed. They didn't know they were going to be shut down from one day to the next. It was shut down. That's just the restaurant that affects you know, the, the employees there. But how many companies have done that? How many multi-million dollar, billion dollar companies have done the exact same thing from one day to the next? You don't have any of that promised. None of you, nor do I. But what we do have promised is God that can take care of all of our needs. So number one is your self-sufficiency keeping you from seeking God. Number two, are the pleasures of this world keeping you from seeking God? The pleasures of the world, which are many things, especially here in the United States, especially here in California, because there's so many things we're surrounded by. We, we could occupy ourselves with, with, uh, with golf today, with going to the beach in the afternoon. You know, we're, uh, we're uh, an hour away from the beach. We're two and a half hours away from the mountains from skiing, three hours. Uh, I mean, everything is so central to us. The pleasures of this life could keep us so busy and so occupied that it'll take our mind off of the Lord. Amen? The pleasures of the world... God created those things for you and I to enjoy, but they're not to take over our thought of serving God. In other words, that shouldn't replace God for me. God should never, or golf should never replace my passion for God. I should always see God first, and if I have time to play golf, go enjoy golf. Amen? Do great in golf. Amen? And then thirdly, complacency leads to, do you find yourself praying less and less? When you're complacent, you don't pray. I'll tell you that right now. I know that. When you're complacent, you don't pray. We have to remember to stay connected with the, with the Lord, and that starts with prayer. Prayer is communicating with God. It's just saying, Lord, here I am. I'm having a, I'm having a blessed day today, Lord. It's been a great day from this morning. Or, Lord, you know what? I'm struggling today. I, I don't feel your presence today. I don't know why. Um, Lord... I need your presence today. Can you just help me to, to experience your presence today? Remind me how much you love me. And, and that's what prayer is. It doesn't have to be this, Oh, Heavenly Father, how great thou art, how wonderful thou hast been in my life. It doesn't have to be that way. That, those are beautiful prayers that maybe somebody prayed years ago and wrote down in some book. God wants to hear what's in your heart. Amen? Amen? God wants to hear what's in your heart. And only you can pray that prayer. Only you can pray that prayer. Complacency will keep us from getting on our knees and praying. Let me remind you again. Jesus is knocking 
on that door, on that door to your heart spiritually. You may be listening right now and thinking, Pastor Rick, you're right. That has been me. That has been me struggling with that. Well, I want to remind you, God is loving and he's patient. He's loving and he's patient. How many are so thankful for that? I know I am. I'm thankful for his wonderful mercy and his, his kindness. He patiently waits for you to open that door to him. The Lord right now is speaking to your heart. He's speaking to your heart as I speak right now. I don't have to remind you of this for those that are struggling with this area right now. He's speaking to your heart. He's telling you right now that he wants to come in and be a bigger part of your life than it is right now, than it currently is. And why is that? Number two, the Lord desires to have fellowship with you right now. Fellowship is, is just hanging out. It's hanging out. It's being together with him, enjoying his presence. Anybody here have like a really good friend they love to hang out with? You know, or, or, or we don't have no friends here in this church. <laughs> no, we have friends, right? That we like to, we just can hang out with them. And before you know it, two hours have passed by. Three hours have passed by because you're just enjoying each other, talking. Could be with your sister. Could be with your brother. Could be wherever. But that's what fellowship is. God, fellowship with God is much the same way. Just hanging out with God. Maybe you go on a hike and say, Lord, not, maybe not today with the, all the ashes falling, but on a day that you go on a hike and just enjoy the beautiful creation that's all around you and, and just recognize that God created that for you to enjoy, for, for each of us to enjoy. Taking a drive up on Silverado Trail in Napa County. Beautiful ride, especially at this time of the year. Beautiful ride. Taking a ride out on the ocean on uh, Highway 1. And enjoying the spectacular cliffs and the ocean. And reminding yourself that God created that for you to enjoy. That's spending time with God. Fellowshipping with Him. Amen? The Lord lets you decide whether or not to open that door. Is the last point here. The third point. See again, God is a gentleman. Will never ever break and enter into your home. He'll never ever force you to do anything that you don't want to do. See, he doesn't want you to be lukewarm. He doesn't want you to just settle for a halfway mediocre spiritual life. That wasn't God's plan for you. Amen? And as I close this morning, if I can have uh, Bianca, if you can come up. I want to remind you that our loving Savior again, Jesus, will never break into your home. He wants you to open that door to Him. He wants you to lovingly see who it is because here's the great thing. It's kind of like my ring app. I I can see who's coming to my door. You already know when the Lord's knocking on your heart. You already know that. In fact, you don't even need to hear the door knocking. You already know He's there because you... You're missing something. And your life isn't complete until that void is filled by our Savior. Amen? It's not complete until that void is filled by our Savior. Won't you open that door to Him this morning? Say, Lord, I'm tired of just giving it a halfway effort. Just giving a little effort. I want to just give you all. And Lord, wherever you lead me, wherever you guide me, I'll trust you for that one day at a time. 
Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, but Pastor Rick, you don't understand. I've been hurt in the church before. Maybe you were hurt because you completely opened up to him in the past. Maybe it was somebody in the church that hurt you. God forbid. I just want to remind you that he's here to heal those hurts. He's here to remind you that he has a great plan and a purpose for your life. And it's not that you remain broken, hurting. He wants to forgive you. He wants to mend your life right now. You know, Psalms 139 and verses 1 through 4 say the following. It's a beautiful part of the Bible. In fact, I would encourage you all to read the chapter of Psalm 139, the whole chapter. But the first four verses say this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. See, it's beautiful. God knows you already. God knows your heart condition. He knows if you're struggling with lukewarmness, with being hurt. He knows that already. He's just knocking and wanting you to open that door for healing in your life. For healing in your life. See, He knows your heart already. He's ready to come to you, to love you, and accept you as His son and daughter today to bring healing to you. Amen? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads this morning. Father, we thank You, Lord, this morning. Thank You that You love us. Thank You, Father, for Your precious Word. I thank You, Lord, that You do knock on our hearts. You do knock on our spiritual hearts, as it were, Lord. And You constantly remind us that You want us to open the door to our heart, that You want to come in, that You want to have fellowship with us on a daily basis, one day at a time. And Lord, sometimes that can be confusing. It can be maybe fearful because we don't know what what that means. But Lord, I know that when I put my hands or my, my life in the hands of a loving God, a loving Father, I will be blessed. I will have direction. I will have purpose. I will have love. I will have righteousness, forgiveness, healing. And so many wonderful things come into my life that I may not be experiencing right now. So, Father, I want to pray for those this morning, Lord, that are experiencing hurts possibly, but they know that the Lord is knocking. If the Lord's been knocking on your heart, with every head bowed, I want you to just raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand if that's you this morning. The Lord's knocking on your heart and He's drawing you closer to Him. He's speaking to you this morning. Amen. I see your hands this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for those. In addition, I want to pray for those that just want to recommit their life back to the Lord. If, if what you're saying this morning is, I'm living a life that's not where it needs to be and I want to recommit my life back to the Lord. If that's you here today, raise your hand. If you just want to recommit your life to the Lord, amen. 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 I see your hands. Amen. God sees your hands. Amen. God sees those hands. 
we say a, a prayer here with our heads still bowed. We say a prayer of forgiveness when it comes to that point of recommitting our life to the Lord. And it never hurts to say it once. It never hurts to say it 201 times because we want to be sure with God. We want to be right with God. Amen? So won't you repeat these words this morning as I pray this prayer. Repeat these words. Mean them with your heart and God will bring you forgiveness. God will bring you healing this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I hear you knocking on my heart's door. I open the door to you. And I ask you to forgive me, Lord. Of all my sins, all my wrongdoings. Thank you for going to the cross for me. And forgiving me. Through your blood. Which was shed on the cross. That is the great sacrifice that gives me everlasting life. It gives me hope. It gives me a future. And it gives me eternal life with you. Thank you, Jesus. I believe you rose on the third day that I would have eternal life with you. And I accept that today. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I also pray for those hands that need encouragement, that need healing, that may have experienced hurts in their life. Father, I pray right now that you would speak to them, that Lord, that you would continue to desire to be with them. Lord, as they open that door right now, as that door is is open to you, may you come walking into their life and lovingly put your arms around them and tell them, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. And remind them of the fellowship that you want to have with them. That you desire the best life for them. The best possible life. And that, Lord, that you want them to live their life hot, on fire for you. Wherever they go, that they may experience and desire your blessings. That they may share your love, your word with those around them. Because they're on fire for you. So, Father, we pray your anointing upon them, each and every one, Lord. Lead them, guide them, encourage them, strengthen them. And, Father, we thank you this morning for what you're doing, what you're going to do. We're excited about where the future is going to take each one of these, Lord, this morning. And we rejoice this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for that.